0: G'day listeners and welcome back to another episode of the Keeper League podcast. We're the AFL fantasy podcast that doesn't talk about the superstars. We only talk about the lesser knowns and the players who are going to bring value to your draft and Keeper League teams. My name's Hef and today I'm joined by Louis from the Pod Pod. How you doing, mate? Good, mate.
1: Excited to be here. Talk some keepers. uh, Almost my preferred format these days. I was going to
0: say, you're an up and coming keeper coach. If people need to watch this space, I think, because there'll be a time where uh, I think Louis is going to be the number one keeper league coach in the game. <laughs> oh. <laughs> tell him. Tell yeah, I've got a long your...
1: way to go. There's some uh, very good coaches out there that have been doing keeper leagues for almost you know upwards of a decade now. So I'm only I think going into my third season uh with one of my leagues and my second season with uh my home league with all my mates so it's good fun mate I really enjoy following uh these guys careers especially the kids I like to go youthful yeah I've
0: noticed that you sending me a lot of um messages throughout throughout the season what do you think of this trade or like you know I'm blowing up my team and getting these kids in that sort of stuff and I just love how aggressive you've gone in your team what are some of the moves that you've made in your team to kind of secure it for the future and things like that
1: yeah so um Yeah, it's interesting. In my home league, I drafted probably a little bit old with 29-year-olds and uh, they were still scoring okay, but the writing was a little bit on the wall with uh, which direction I was headed. So, yeah, I started just spamming trades, really abusing the waiver wire and uh, just trying to bring in as much youth as I can so that I can build on something. And what I don't hit, I can still probably um, use as collateral in another trade <laughs> yeah. afterwards. So that's okay. And, uh, Yeah, now that I'm looking at my Keeper 13, I've got uh, two players that I originally drafted in Goulden and Sarong, and uh, the other 11 were all traded in, so... Love it.
0: Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) it's been an aggressive strategy, but I'm
1: hoping it's going to work for
0: me. Well, we'll kind of track that as the uh, the year goes on, because we hope to have you on the podcast uh, a bit this year, so it should be good fun. But uh, yeah, we'll get into the show in a second. Just got a few things I want to mention at the top of the show. Uh, We have a few Premium resources coming out. So, on the day that this podcast is released, uh, the our biggest one of the preseason, I think, the mock draft simulator will be out by this point in time. So, have you been having a look at the demo or anything, Louis? I haven't, mate. I know you're already in a cable league, and you're not doing any startups this year. So, it might not. You might think it's not as relevant to you, but the most important thing about it, well, I think, and the most useful part about it is the um, ADP data that comes with it. So, you can see pretty much all the picks that have been made by all the users we can't see all the picks but you can see an average draft position um, uh, of all the picks that people have you made on the on the platform so you can use this in your drafts and things like that to kind of appropriately assess the value of players uh, in your keeper league so when you're doing your draft you can look all right where's this player going usually in drafts well he's going pretty early I should take him pretty early in my draft so I, I don't avoid you know missing it so I don't miss out type thing and kind of on the flip side you can go oh, I want to draft this player but where's he going in the ADP data oh he's slipping maybe I might be able to give him a round or. To later, as a result. So,
1: I imagine that'll help you with your trading as well. So, yeah, getting it will, a rough actually. idea of the, the value of these players, and you know, you might be able to get a better deal based on the fact that you know you're a your players three higher spots in the draft than the other one maybe you can ask
0: for some steak knives that way 100% yeah yeah like, or this, you could use it as like a, a bargaining tool like you know I'm if you're getting this player off me look where he's ranked in the ADP data. this is where he's going you, you need to offer me something more or something like that it's so, a good way of doing yeah, it it's, yeah. it's, it's
1: really hard to quantify and, and <laughs> yeah. keep the legs quite often up to the eyes of the beholder so if you can point to an average draft ranking and uh, yep. and say yeah look you know this guy's rated here and I'm rated here so
0: yeah no, it's it's, it's uh sounds like a good
1: resource, mate. I'll have to check it out.
0: So the Keeper League Mock Draft Simulator, essentially you draft against the computer. It thinks like Keeper League coaches. It doesn't take the best average for the single season. It thinks about the future, all that sort of stuff, and what's the best player that's actually going to go ahead. It looks at age, ADP, and it kind of learns as it gets uh, as more drafts happen as well. So the more people that do drafts, the kind of smarter it gets and the better data we get to actually work off that as well. So, yeah, check it out. Uh, it's on the website. Available now to gold members. So if you're not a gold member, You can uh, upgrade. If you're not a gold member, if you're only silver or whatever, you can upgrade your account from your account page. But have a look at that because it is going to be a game changer, I think, in keeper leagues in AFL fantasy. We've also got the drafty analysis guide up there at the moment as well. That was there from last year. So in this podcast, we won't be discussing rookies today because we've spent so much time looking at them already around draft time. So if you want to know about rookies and um, young defenders, we are talking about defenders today, uh, you can check that out in the drafty analysis guide there. The ranking spreadsheets the, the ultimate ranking spreadsheet also dropped last week as well so make sure you download that if you're a member and use that to do your rankings all right we mentioned it just before but we are looking at defenders in this podcast Louis uh, we're going to look at some undervalued players some breakout contenders some over 30 options because you can usually get those a little bit cheaper or later in drafts uh, cheaper in trades that is and some stash options for the future so let's kick it off Louis first player I want to talk about is Alex Witherden so at a 78 average last year that Was actually his lowest return since 2019. I think fitness and defensive work was probably the issue when he wasn't in the side. What are your thoughts? A lot of people on Twitter think he's not in their best 22. What do you What do you reckon? Yeah, he's an interesting one. With it, and he's certainly fallen out
1: of favour a little bit um, at times. I feel at the Eagles, Uh, but in terms of him uh, being a scorer, we know he's had that capability before, and um, I think. Hearn retiring at the end of last season might work in his favour this season. Uh, in terms of him being best 22, uh, yeah, he has been dropped from that side, but we also have to remember that West Coast have pretty much stripped back all the um, all the mature talent in that side, and Alex with in what he'd be about 26 years old now is probably one of the more mature players in that
0: side. And um, It feels like he's been around for a long time, but yeah, he isn't that old. I think you're right around that 26 mark. So, so is that a good age? Yeah, he's at a good age, and there is a narrative to say that he does pick up some of those
1: points with Shannon Hearn out of the side, even looking at um, some of the data without him in the side with it and jumps up something crazy like 17 points when he doesn't play alongside Shannon Hearn up to a 100 average in AFL fantasy. So uh, there's definitely a narrative you can spin to him bouncing back and he does put a bit of a bad taste in uh, the mouths of some coaches. So he might be one of those players uh, that you'll be able to pick up a little bit cheaper and outperform what what uh, he's done in previous years.
0: Yeah, I, I'm i kind of here nor there with Withern. I think like we did see Hearn injured for a lot of last season as well and so with that 78 average i haven't gone through and worked out what the splits are with him but i'll take your word for it that he averages more with Hearn out so that should be a good thing but the other the other question has come through from the listeners is brady hoff um, rise as well and he's coming into his third year do you reckon there's a world where he kind of takes some of those Hearn points that are left over and leaves with it on the outer yeah i was thinking about that and it's going
1: to depend on the pure role that Witherden plays. So, uh, yes, he could be more defensive or he could be more attacking, but I tend to think that... um At this point in his career, you sort of know Alex Witherton's not going to be this fantastic defender uh, with that sort of work. And I think Brady Hoff being a little bit younger would be uh, advantageous maybe to the development of his career to have a little bit more of that defensive work instilled in him early in his career because, what, he'd be on less than 20 games at
0: this point, Brady Hoff, wouldn't he? Yeah, he'd be around that mark, yeah.
1: I know they really rate him. He's a great ball user, but maybe there's a little bit more of a developmental period there for him. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll find that out pretty quickly in the preseason because West Coast really need to instill a bit of hope and faith in their uh, in their fan base and supporter base that they're um, sort of trajecting upwards. So. Uh, we should be able to get a
0: better idea of that. All right, we'll move on to Christian Salem. He was uh, trending in the right direction a couple of years ago, but injuries and illness hit last year. Average 78 from 14 games last season. Do you think he's got another level to go to? And are you keen on someone like Christian Salem? He's a tricky one, Hef. Uh, Feels like he's in a little bit of no man's land after the
1: thyroid issue last preseason. Sort of came back, played some okay football uh, and then went through a massive form slump where... um, you know, even I think the the casual viewers were sort of thinking, what's going on with Christian Salem here? Did he get dropped at
0: some point as well? Not sure, to be honest. Um, wasn't following it that closely. But, yeah, I just know he was a, lot, a long way down on his yeah previous season's form, that's for sure. I guess the question I'd ask you is, what's his weapon? Yeah, that's it. He was that attacking halfback flanker. But I think in a couple of years ago, they moved Gus Brayshaw back to that halfback line. And that's probably staffed him there. So, I think a lot... Has to do with what Brayshaw probably does, and there is a there is a world where Brayshaw goes back in the midfield next season with what's going on with Clayton Oliver and stuff like that, and spends a lot more time as a centre bounce midfielder. So that could free him up a little bit, but I don't know. I feel like if you looked at the numbers, there might be some correlation with that, and that might be the issue with Salem. So. Yeah.
1: It feels like there's been a bit of a shift to Stephen May actually being a massive ball user back there. He's, he's a good user. Really Robert. good by yeah, foot, yeah. yeah. And uh, quite often when you see him taking the kick-ins, he's not looking for that short option. He's he's going that long option to drive it forward. So maybe Christian Salem gets a little bit missing in that mix and just hasn't been able to impact. But, you know, there's been the natural rise of players like Jake Bowie, for example, Um Trent Rivers, he's moved a little bit more into the midfield
0: now. Yeah, it looks like he's going to play a lot he was more back there this there year. too. Yeah, so. that's another one he had a rise last year as well, so that probably um, hindered him a bit more. I reckon just watch him because there is there are factors there that could lead to him scoring better. It just depends on what Melbourne have planned for him, I think, and what their kind of use for him is. Um we'll move on to Luke McDonald. He disappointed a lot of people last year. When you look at his twenty two numbers, I think he averaged pretty well, like it was like around the eighty mark, but it was like he started the house like started the year like a house on fire and then fell away at the end of the season. So, when you look at it from an average basis, he was was only a few points worse than he was the previous year, the year before. It's just that we remember these big scores that he had in the first part of the season um, before, I think, Hall and Zeeble went back and kind of cancelled him out a little bit. Last year, Sheasel came in. and I think that really hurt him. And Zeebel returned to defence as well. There's just no points for him to go around. But do you think there's any future where Luke McDonald is a good scorer again? He's the co-captain, isn't he? He's so he's yeah, a bit he of a is. role. It's,
1: it's easy to forget that he was pretty much the original Jack Zeeble slash yeah. Aaron Hall probably yeah, about five one. years ago now when he, when he first started popping in that um, mopping up role. He was playing some midfield minutes then too. Um, yeah, you're right. Sheasel definitely hurt him last year. And... Uh, I'm just, I'm a little bit unsure on him because he does this every single season where Luke McDonald will pop um, over maybe a month of football where you think, hang on, this guy might be, um, you know, projecting upwards here. And then he does revert back to that mean where he does have that, you know, a little bit of a bit of a flaw. So it's definitely a big watch on the role, though, because he has shown that he's been able to play multiple positions and be a pretty reasonable player in all of them. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's. It's a tricky one to pinpoint, I think, because they do have better ball users than him and they do have better midfielders than him. So yeah. he might be another one that's at this stage in no man's land, but yeah. he does have that propensity So but,
0: yeah. But then you look at someone like Tom Jonas and you never know what but, can actually yeah, happen. <laughs> sometimes it feels like the captain does,
1: well, and rightfully so, I guess, does have a bit of a gold pass to the team. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if Lukey Mack would be in there every single um game if he wasn't co-captain, but he must be doing something right too. And yeah. you know, you know, there's blokes out there that average twenty five fantasy Yeah, play every game in a year.
0: So he's just one of those guys that can I don't know, like he seems like he seems like he should be the kind of guy who can just defend. You know what I mean? And they don't have to rely on direct up touches, but sometimes that's even questionable. I think a big another big factor is Zach Fisher and um uh Colbert mckircher coming into the side as well. Like McKertcher is Apparently, I played a match to him at halfback the other day as well. So, he played like the shiesel role of last year. So, who knows what's actually going to happen there. I'm not very confident on him, but I know others out there are. So, just keep your eye on him and see what actually happens. Um, We don't have to talk about this one too much, but Harry Himmelberg... Does he have a defined role now? His season, like last year's, have always been a tale of two halves, half up forward, half down back. Do you think he stays back? Do you think that forward rolls over? And yeah, do you see him just staying down back from now on? Well, he certainly thinks he's going to stay down back
1: this year. Just uh, listening to something he said, I think it might have been the other side of Christmas, that he was settled down in defence this year. I I know that was what was said last
0: year as well, but I think maybe they... um, I think last year in the preseason they were very much saying he's going to go back forward.
1: And, oh, that's okay. what, and that's what
0: actually happened, yeah. Right. But then, like, halfway through the season, they just – but everyone was kind of questioning why, you know what I mean? And then halfway through the season, he ended up down back again anyway. So, yeah.
1: I think with the development of Cadman as well going into his second year, they're going – and Jesse Hogan, obviously, was really strong finish to last year. They probably don't have that And Riccardi need. was, like, good and, as well. Yeah, Riccardi's yeah. super solid as yeah. well. He really presents an option up forward. Yeah.
0: Uh, that Callum Brown guy as well. Yeah, was like they've of, got three they've, taller options. I really exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think he stays down defence, so we don't have to worry about that one. What do you think he averages this year? Around that eighty mark? Uh, yeah, I, I don't
1: think he's. I think he's overachieved probably in twenty twenty two a little bit. I think he's more
0: closer to that eighty five average. <laughs> when you look at the team sheets, he does quite often line up at centre half back with um, Ash on one side, Lockie Whitfield on the other, and they're the ones you find you think are going to take up most of the points. He kind of plays that intercept role. So if he can play a game where he has like a lesser key forward, he, where he can kind of run off them and take a few marks and stuff like that. He would score well in those games, but some games he might have to lock down a little bit more, I think, as well.
1: Yeah, and yeah. I was watching him closely last season, um, looking to bring him into my classic side, and a lot of those games where he did pop, it, it was useless touches. Yeah. It literally was just
0: open man on the wing type stuff. Yeah. All right, I want to get your opinion on Wayne Miller, because I think he could step it up this season, because really it was his first year unscathed with injury for a long time and he did put up a solid average of 77.5 last season so I'm wondering if this guy's got upside in our draft and keeper leagues well, I think he could push to that mid 80s and be one of the better options because he's a He's a decent talent, Good use with the ball, plays that half-back role. We've got Brody Smith, who's probably in the twilight of his career. I think he's 31, 32, 32 now. 32, yep. Yep. So what are your thoughts on Wayne Miller for this year and into the future? No, I, I really like him as well. Uh, he's one of those guys who've been waiting
1: to pop for a number of years and a number of injuries is what's held him back. I think it was uh, – kneecap injury, it might have been an Achilles in there as well or something. But There's a lot. He's had lots, it yeah. Was, it was, they weren't good injuries they were you know, pretty much season-defining injuries for Wayne Malera. He played every single game last season, which was something that uh, we haven't seen uh, in a number of years. Didn't think it was possible, Louis. No, no I didn't, I didn't either and uh, I think now that the Crows have a bit more confidence in his body, a bit more confidence that he can um, be an important part of this side, that he will get that more responsibility because when I do look at the defenders or the halfback rebound uh, flankers at the cross, it's just not a lot there.
0: Yeah, I, w- I was doing the same thing. The only thing I thought of was if Dan Curtin comes into the side and presents a bit more. But as a rookie, and I'll talk about him later because there was a question about him. I do have some thoughts on Dan Curtin as well. Even though I said we're not talking about rookies, but <laughs> um, yeah, I think Wayne. I think you're on the right track there. I think Wayne Miller is that kind of the classy halfback flanker that they could probably use back there and he'll probably be one of their go-tos for the future I know Mitch, Mitch Hinge is back there but I, I think Miller uh, coming through like his draft pedigree and stuff like that is probably that like, step above in class And yeah.
1: oh absolutely yeah. And
0: they seriously rate him he was given a five-year contract yeah, exactly um, so yep yeah. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be alright Harry Perriman uh, averaged 80-plus in 2021 and 2022. I want to know what you think his role is going forward. Is there still room in the midfield for him? Because that's when he scored those 80-plus averages where he spent significant portions of the uh, of the year as either that inside midfielder or as a tagger um, and racking up a few extra touches there. That halfback line is crowded uh, for uh, GWS. So what are your thoughts on Harry Perriman? The problem is the midfield's a little bit crowded there that's as true. well. Yeah. Uh,
1: Callan Ward going around again, depending on how many games he plays, maybe...
0: Uh, I reckon Perryman. for about four years five years like especially when we talk, talk to Dossie he's like Callum Ward's got to go this year and he's done and he just never goes away Oh no, and he comes <laughs> back too sometimes yeah. he doesn't start in the midfield by the yeah. end of the year he's, he's, he's back in playing there. big minutes yeah. so uh, I think a little
1: bit will depend on that they feel like a similar player that can bring that uh, defensive pressure inside the midfield uh, but the, the role of Harry Perryman it's you know we've been talking about this for five years he's a super solid player and It feels like he can go 75, 80 plus uh, in just about any role he plays. And he does get on a run, but uh, he's just in such a stacked side there. He feels like more of a role player for me.
0: I feel like it's just going to be like a solid D3 kind of option for your team. Um, Maybe D2 in a weaker side, but yeah I think that's probably where I just don't see an opportunity for him to go bigger and better that's also that's where I'm seeing him at the moment um interesting one Lockie Bramble he's never really broken out before um so we've got him in the but we've still got him in the undervalued players uh, section here but could he have a role on the wing at the Bulldogs do you think forgot he went to the Bulldogs yeah, so yeah. I, would, I would have rattled off with I, actually th- I actually there. had to think about it there for a second but yeah that's probably why the only reason he um piques my interest He's going to a
1: side that's uh, very good at fantasy scoring. Yeah. Uh, the problem is it's really just a flip of the coin where he does play. Knowing Beveridge, you'd think it's going to be a wing, but um, does that translate to points? Um, what do you think, Hef,
0: there? Yeah, I just uh, The wing- wings I hate, really, but the only thing that makes me interested is because this is an offender because you can still like a good half-decent winger will still go about 75, you know what I mean? So that would, could put him in like a D4, D3, D4 range for your team. So the only reason Got him there. I'm just trying to think who their wingers are at the dogs. What's that redheaded guy from Melbourne that went across? Uh, James Harms. Uh, no, nah, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, his name is escaping me But he played his first season last year at. Uh, he couldn't get a game at uh, Melbourne Then played his first um, season at the Dogs last year And played a fair chunk of the season Can't remember his name The listeners are probably screaming at us right now um, But yeah, that guy um, Was in and out yeah, yeah, was yeah. in and out of the side a little <laughs> bit He was good year. too, actually Yeah, but he was in and out of the side So I feel like there is like a spot that he could kind of Yeah, look it up, Louis, for me um, I feel like there is a spot that he could take there And he has shown some good Science. I He's like Rollett Hawthorne a little bit. Is as has been a halfback flanker. Um, I don't know if he gets sat at the dogs with you know Bailey Dale and, Baker. I could picture yeah, his face. Right. I just couldn't remember his name. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyway, uh, let's move on to Zach Williams. Um, pretty decent scorer in, back in the day. He was that good. I reckon this was probably a reach, but. I reckon in 2018, I took him with my second or third round draft pick in the Startup Keeper League as a defender, as my my D1 option. And uh, since he's gone to Carlton, he's basically just been injury prone and can't get on the park. Um, But can he recapture that early career form? Because he's definitely going to be a classic player because of his price. So he's going to be a lot of classic teams out there. But are we confident he can put up good scores consistently to pick him up in our draft teams?
1: Uh, I am Um, I think he's proven over a number of years That he does find a way to score Uh, He also finds a way to get injured often Yeah uh, the only concern with him would be um, where he sort of slots into that Carlton side. So, a lot's rejigged since then. I think yep. Doherty up to a wing has played havoc on a lot of people's scoring. Yeah. It's, it's made Nick Newman go
0: bananas. Yeah. And do they want to change
1: that? Like, Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. I think Zach Williams from a keeper perspective will be one that is overpaid for. Yeah. Uh, I think someone who's keen will draft him early just yeah. based on that potential for him to go back to 90. And, uh, look, I think he can, but- yeah, it's just um, – he just worries me with his, with his flaw these days. I'm yeah. not sure he needs to be such an important cog in that system. And when we were keen as well, he was sort of earmarked for that mid-time, whereas I don't yeah. think
0: that's going to be the case anymore. I think he is an upgrade on a player like uh, Alex Chin or a Lockie Cowan that yeah, they played yep, a bit last yep. year. So, I think he's back on that halfback flank and plays a serviceable role there. He used to get a bit of midfield time back in the day. I think that's done now yeah, yeah so um yeah that might contribute to him not scoring as well but if he can get up and running i think it's going to be one of those things where he starts really slow plays low time on ground works back into it might be a bit dodgy for the first half of the season but might find some form towards the back end if injuries stay away i, th- I think carlton they've moved
1: past that chip chip style um, oh, yeah. defensively too towards the back end of last year it was very much all right see ball get ball move it forward uh, and I'm not sure there's going to be much room for, for Zach Williams to get those cheap ones that pushes him from maybe being a 75, 80 guy to to like a 90 guy, which some would be expecting. But um, depending on where he is in your keeper, redrafts or, or your drafts or uh, even – as a potential trade, uh, you might be able to get
0: high value for him right now. Uh, last one we'll talk about, I know you're keen on this guy and that's Nick Coffield. You've been talking about him all offseason. season. I think it's a good pick up with the dogs, but where does he play? Like I said before, like back line's pretty crowded. Um, he's a taller player, so he can play a taller intercept role as well. And he can probably play on the wings. He's probably got that skill set to be an outside type player as well. What are your thoughts? Where does he play and what does he score? Yeah, I think he's that third tall that floats around the, the half back line. There's a lot of room for
1: that at the dogs. Uh, He's shown that he's been able to do it at the Saints and even returning late to the VFL last season, uh, he's sh- he was able to take a lot of marks, have a high kick to handball ratio, and, and build a nice score off the back of not a whole heap of touches. So I think him being at the Dogs is is really advantageous for him. Whether he's best twenty two to start, uh, I think we'll get a better idea of that through the preseason. But let's see a former number seven draft pick. He's got you the tell, talent. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to think he will be there, and I think he'll be someone that. Uh, You might be able to Pick up late In your redrafts And he could be uh, 70 75 plus Averaging defender A little bit like uh, What an Oscar Baker Would have been (laughs)
0: Yeah (laughs) That's a uh, Yeah I think that's uh, I think he's got the potential to do that for sure I'm not whether it happens or not is another story but like I've owned him in the past like I think 2020 when he had that really good season at St Kilda um, he looked the goods and was a really handy fantasy scorer that year so he's one you take a punt on yeah, and not feel bad about throwing back into the waivers if it doesn't go right too yeah correct alright let's move on to some breakout contenders um, so these are guys that I think you know they're not um, they're not undervalued they probably haven't been that kind of elite fantasy scorer before but guys that I think could take that next step and move into like at least a 80 85 90 kind of range this season. First one on our list here is Ed Richards. So what are you expecting from Ed Richards this year?
1: Well, it's, well he's only
0: played what really half a season across half back. The reason at why this I've point. got him there. Yeah, uh, that's true cuz he can play he had played did play forward a little bit I think as a junior. The reason is he's like 24 years old now, so like he's had what six years in the system. So he's kind of past that kind of what you'd call a young player, you know what I mean? Last year he did average 79, so that's so close to averaging 80. That's a pretty serviceable defender average. But do you think he can push into that 85 to 90 range or do you think there's going to be some Bevo factor involved? What do you think? No, I think I think I can see that happening. Like I said, he's only
1: really played, what, half a season to a season in that role. And yeah. it feels like the first five years of his career, they, they really rated him at the Dogs, but they just weren't sure where he fit in that side. And uh, you sort of saw that and it reflected in his football. At times he would... Uh, do some really amazing things but then at other times you'd go why is this guy even yeah. playing AFL footy so- he's one
0: of those players that Kays and I talk about eye test and you'd watch him early on in his career and you go "Jesus, this kid can do some pretty awesome things it's just they got to find the right role for him I think they found the right role for him so I think he's one that can push that at least 85 mark this year considering he averaged 79 last year just needs to gain a bit more consistency and you know have Bevo not put you know Caleb Daniel back there for a game and then put him in the midfield and no, that I, I, sort of shit. I think he's shown that
1: he, he doesn't really like <laughs> Caleb Daniel down back anymore yeah, yeah. so hopefully,
0: yeah, hopefully that's good for um, hopefully that's good for him uh, Trent Rivers we kind of touched on him earlier there's talking more midfield time this year at Melbourne um, especially with Clayton Oliver out definitely progressed last year he went from that 51 to 76 average do you think he pushes to that 80 85 range I think he can, yep. Yeah, he looks like he's, – he's, again, eye test. Early on in his career, he looked like the type of player that he'll do that. So, yeah, I'm keen on Trent Rivers. Um, Kadeen Coleman, big hype after the grand final. I think halftime he was on a ton. And it kind of illustrates my point because – he does this so often like I remember I think round one he was on like 50 at half time. there's been so many games because I own him in one of my keeper leagues where he's on a really respectable score at half time, like 50 40 50 like at least I'll get an 80 out of him and he will legit finish on like 55 60 after that and go missing for the rest of the game um he's had his injury issues too so I'm wondering about that but yeah what are your thoughts with Kenny Coleman can he be a 80 plus 85 average next year
1: uh, look, I can see a realm where he does do that, but I tend to think that Kitty Coleman is more quality over quantity. Yeah, uh, and I think Brisbane Lions are going to play better football when he's doing the quantity over the uh, the uh, quality over the quantity stuff because they've got other players that can. Um, can do that, and I think Kitty Coleman being able to set the play up, like we saw in the grand final from half back, pinpointing and uh, finding a way to cut through other sides. I think it's going to be the best way that the the Lions win a flag, and Kitty Coleman's going to be a large part of that. But um, to do that, it's not going to be twenty five to thirty touches. It's probably going to be more
0: like seventeen or twenty touches. Do you think he's potentially one of those players that? cops a bit more attention now? Like, Daniel Rich is out of the side. We know he's a good user. We know he gets a lot of possessions off the halfback. Is he someone that, you know, teams might sit a forward on and mark him pretty tightly?
1: I can see that.
0: And uh, if that happens, I can see him really falling out of the game too. Yeah, yeah. I think that kind of tended to happen a little bit. Last year, he got shut down a little bit. So, hopefully, he can just kind of build that fitness, build that work rate and kind of overcome that. But he's on my watch list. Do you have him in your classic team? No. Yeah, buy and buy and Issue, uh, I'm worried about kind of those kind of issues no, as well.
1: I've never really shown
0: much interest yeah, I think, um, yeah his, his floor still scares the shit out of me yeah I'm starting to think the same way he's in there currently but uh, yeah I'm thinking about getting rid of him uh, Braden Campbell split between the wing and halfback last season he looks pretty classy I'm worried about overcrowdedness in Sydney defence I think the worst case for him is he just sits on that wing and those Sydney wings like McInerney Dylan Stevens when uh, Florent sometimes was in the defence last year but goes up there it's not Pretty um, What do you think Do you think he's ends up on the halfback line Or the wing And what do you think his scoring goes to I'm praying he ends up on the halfback line
1: Because I do really rate Braden Campbell And it's easy to forget that I think he's only going into his fourth year of football Yeah and I he? think he
0: was a pick five in the draft Yeah pick like
1: five Highly rated due to his disposal And we've seen that at AFL level It's been able to translate well Um, I think it would be in the Swan's best interests to drive more football through him. And if he's on halfback, he's going to be hitting up targets everywhere. Uh, And he's someone as well that probably uh, you can pick up a little bit cheaper than what you would have a couple of years ago when he was uh, burst on the scene, went 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 100, 100 and uh, did a few nice little things. It's... Uh, maybe a sign of the potential that he does have, but um, he's someone I'd be holding the faith with. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised a number of years, uh, two or three years, if Braden Campbell's one of our
0: um, hot property items in defence. Yeah, because looking at as a junior, he was one of those tough inside players as a junior. So I think he's been on the shorter side, so that might be why he's kind of you know moved to an outside role. But I wouldn't be surprised if we do see him a bit more on the inside, a little bit more, maybe in a few years' time when some of the older players, you know, um, you know, um, come off a little bit. Um, Luke Parker, for example, comes out and um, we, we're seeing like we're seeing less and less of Rowbottom already. Um, I know he's only young, but like, yeah, there might be... And then Callum Mills, obviously, with the injury and stuff like that. If he goes, settles down in the back line again, I wouldn't be surprised if we see someone like him play a, li- a little few more, you know, inside minutes as well, so... Yeah, and Jordan coming in probably spends a bit of time on the wing as well, so... Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where that all fits. The City makeup's quite interesting. Um, Marcus Windhager, um, they gave him Spud for all his number in the off-season, number two. Do you reckon that's a sign that they uh, really rate him? Um, oh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, so, so,
1: I always sort of read these situations as, you know, being a bit of a coach's pet. Yeah, well, they honest. gave Xavier
0: Dersma, Brad Ebert's uh, – I'm sorry um, – Russell Evert's number. Sorry, Brad Evert. Ibbitt. Russell Evert's number. Well, he did wear it too. Russell Evert's number, which is like the all-time Port Adelaide number. And next season, he's traded to uh, Essendon. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, don't know about that. Um, but yeah, like he's played so many roles in such a short amount of time. So, he's been a tagger, inside mid, halfback flanker. Where do you see him playing this season? Um, because he's had good games without high CBA numbers, which has been encouraging. Um, and he's only 20, so you should see some progression. Where do you, where do you see him playing this year?
1: Uh, I think uh, tagging would probably be best suited to him. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure he's going to be the best ball user long-term off half back to play that sort of role. Yeah, and I agree. I sort yeah. of see him more as
0: being that inside mid eventually. I feel like what he's what just there because they've got nowhere else to put him. Like yeah. with the midfield of Crouch and um, Steele in there, Seb Ross was doing jobs last year. I think there's one other one and they missing. Now they've got Paddy Dow in there. Um, Hunter Clark was in there a fair bit as well. It's um, I feel like they just had nowhere to put him. And I think there's going to be a lot more people rolling through. Oh, I really don't know.
1: He strikes me as one of those guys that's hard not to pick because he trains the house down. He has yeah. such a good attitude. But I'm, he's another one. I'm not sure what weapons he actually has.
0: So it'll be interesting to, to watch his career. Yeah. From um, from here, these are the ones I'm probably less confident of breakouts, but I thought they are worth mentioning. So Seamus Mitchell, he looked good in patches last year. He plays the right role at the halfback. Had that good patch uh, between round nine and 16 where he had a few scores of 80 plus in there. Hawthorne are the biggest issue though I just don't know where to place A lot of them It feels like they've got so many Halfback flanker types um, And guys that can score big in there Like Sicily, obviously um, But then you got You know Hardwick MP Jarth They brought Massimo D'Ambrosio in there um, Will Day goes back there Even though he's done his foot now But he goes back there When they need someone To go back there There's so many different options I think there's one more I'm missing But there's so many different options Weddle. That they can, Yeah Weddle yep. plays back, Played back there in the uh, Halfway through last season So Yeah what are your thoughts On James Mitchell Uh, I think he's jostling for spots in a really difficult
1: line at that team. Uh, We've even seen in previous years at Hawthorne, uh, a guy that we just spoke about, Lockie Bramble, came on the scene, was playing some great footy, and uh, the next year he sort of got two games and then then he was delisted. It wouldn't surprise me if Seamus Mitchell just didn't play much football next year, just uh, this yeah, year, just was, due yeah. to
0: to what's around him, to be honest. Yeah. So he's a really hard one to pinpoint. Oh, yeah, like, I feel like Impey has improved so much in the last two seasons that he's pretty damaging back there. I feel like, yeah, Sicily's obviously back there, but he's more of a kind of taller intercept type. But then, yeah, Weddle has shown such good signs that I think they'll persist with him. Um, and then it just, I find it really interesting that they recruited Massimo D'Ambrosio. So, yeah, they they like actively went after him. And yeah, so I, I find that they might want to. Use someone like him So we'll have to wait And see what's going to happen CJ didn't play a lot of footy either No, but he's going to be Fit and firing At the start of the season Apparently So yeah He might be back as well So there's so many options they could use back there. It's, it's going to be pretty tough to pick. Um, we talked about Brady Hoff before. Big hype on him. Um, plays the right halfback role for fantasy. Had 200 plus scores in the back end of last year. So third year breakout on the cars, you think, Louie? So role dependent. Uh, I think if you see it early, uh, yeah. it'd be a good choice to jump on though. With Hearn going out, it's pretty um, pretty good for him. So uh, yeah. it should see him play every game next season and score pretty well. Um, Darcy Wilmot. Do you think he can break out next year or does he need another year? Like, started to look comfortable on that halfback flank. I'm just not sure if he's like a high possession type player or he's like got that good balance of playing a defensive game and an attacking game that he might just kind of meander around the middle. What do you think? Yeah, he's another one, I think. He's quality over quantity. Yeah. Uh, he's a star,
1: Darcy. We're yeah, not, he's going he, to be a very, very good player, but I'm not sure. If he's going to be a fantastic fantasy player, I sort of have him as that um, really solid
0: 75 80 guy. Maybe not unlike a Harry Perriman type. Really? Yeah. No, that's probably a good comparison. Um, Heath Chapman. I'm kind of confident on this guy. Um, even though like he had a pretty injury-riddled year, half season last season, but he actually spent the back end of the year playing in the waffle, which was concerning. But I think that might have just been management, like playing low time on ground minutes and just getting him kind of back to playing, as opposed to just doing nothing on the sidelines. But there's multiple roles opening up at Fremantle. They've got a wing role that he's probably suited to. Like he's got the skill set to go out there anyway. That's been vacated by Liam Han- uh, Henry, and looks like Hayden Young is going to go into the midfield as well. So, there's another halfback role there. So, I think he finds a role next year. It's just dependent on which one he gets and where he scores. Do you have any interest in him? Uh, not massive interest. I'm still
1: uh, a little bit unsure on him, his body and and his role, of course, as you mentioned. Do we do – we, um, what, what did Blake Akers sort of do at Fremantle? He was on the wing. Yeah, yeah, yeah he was on the wing. But yeah. do you remember what he what numbers he was yeah, sort of putting up? Yeah, it was
0: pretty up? similar to Carlton um, in his last season there. It was like the average of 80 90 kind of range. Yeah, yeah. So he's yeah. actually one of the better teams for wingers. Like they score right there. And
1: I don't think he's at that Blake Akers level at the moment. I'd no. probably put him maybe 15 points below that. So yeah. I think I can see a 75 from him, which I reckon would be a really good
0: sort of. Take that um, as a D3. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think that'd be a good option there. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's definitely one to keep an eye on through the off season. So I think he's got some potential. Dylan Williams, like, I don't know. I don't have any confidence on port defenders at all to be good fantasy scorers. Um, just was a cash cow last year. And he was just entrusted with a lot of um, distribution um, yeah, responsibilities last year. So he's kicking out from fullback a little bit. Um, on the halfback line, He was they kind of looked to him to kind of use the ball a little bit more as well. Can you see Dylan Williams being a scorer? Uh, not really
1: I think he fell out of favour late and that's just because uh, his, oh, yeah, his so, weapon really was his yeah. ball use and yeah. by foot and they've just got you know Dan Houston back there as well who's
0: probably commanding a lot of that pill and maybe I think Lockie Jones know, is going to come in and be that proper proper defender yeah like, on the line yeah well.
1: exactly so um, if he's not just being that beautiful user by foot then I'm not sure there's a spot in the side for yeah, him and I know they really rate a Jace Burgoyne who's yeah, uh, a little bit behind him at this stage so uh, yeah to be honest with you I don't even think Dylan Williams um, plays much footy in
0: 2024 yeah I think he can find himself in and out of the side for sure the other one I've got here is Joel Jeffrey like so he's listed as a defender forward but he played half back in the middle of last season and looked pretty suited uh, to the role until injury struck now he didn't pretty really put up any big scores from there but he just looked like he had the skills the flair the the skill set um actually kind of and the marking ability as well to kind of be a decent half back line player um but this was kind of with all those other guys like weller Powell, atkins um they they got injured but i think that he was playing when they were all fit so they must have like found a, a spot for him back there when they were, they were playing so what are your thoughts on someone like joel jeffrey given that he's listed as a forward and could play a half back role uh, I think this year,
1: certainly with the with the forward status, it might be handy. Uh, assuming he keeps that role under the new coach, but yeah, Joel Jeffrey has shown signs um, at times, and uh, yeah, he he's one that if he can get that more predominant role, like you mentioned, they do have quite a few like Weller uh, and Powell across that half back yeah, line that are going to be actually. Butterick too, back. yeah, a bit of a forgotten man, yeah. so. Um, yeah, it's definitely one to watch, but that forward status makes him seriously interesting, and he's another where yeah. I reckon you'll be able to pick him up late and maybe get a, a bit of a bargain.
0: He'll be in a lot of draft pools, especially our keeper league has gone down to 12 keepers, so he'll be available somewhere. So, he's one I'll be looking at as a, as a forward to kind of stock up those last few positions. And, yeah, I think if you can get that role, very much depends on the coach. Um, Dimmer might have different ideas for him and where he wants him to play. And The, the good thing about... Um, Seeing Hardwick coach
1: over a number of years We know that his halfback flankers Do have an ability to score Assuming the game plan's going to be the same But... Uh, that being said, if he doesn't have that perfect half-back role, which we've seen from a in and a hoolie in years past, uh, then the scoring ceiling might actually be capped a little bit because outside of that and maybe one midfielder in the
0: Hardwick system, there's just not a large amount of fantasy scoring there. Yeah, fair enough. Um, let's move on to some over 30s. So, like the over 30 players are the ones that you can probably get a bit cheaper because people want to offload them before they retire, cash in on their value, or they'll slide in drafts because everyone's picking youngsters and wants to draft for the future. So, a few over 30s I've just picked out here, and I don't think they'll take long to go through them, because I think we can probably dismiss a few of them, but first one is Mitch Duncan. Can he stay fit and return to form? Does he just sit on the half black and back and, you know, rack up cheap pill? What are your thoughts on uh, Mitch Duncan?
1: If he can stay fit, I really like Mitch Duncan this year. I'm not expecting Geelong to win clearance uh, as often as what they have in years past, and I'm not expecting them to be as strong as what they have in years past, so... The ball is back there a lot then Mitch Duncan's got that ability to to clean up the pill to to be an option moving outside of defense as well and we know that he's got a seriously high ceiling even last year despite his age he was uh when he was fit he was able to still put up really decent scores so uh
0: yeah I, I really like Mitch Duncan he's one of, if he's in the draft pool I'll target him because yeah he can be a pretty good option um down back if he's fit, firing and it's not someone you look to keep for the future because obviously he's probably a year or two away from retiring. But, yeah, decent option if you can get him in your team. Um, Dyson Heppel, I don't think anyone expected him to average 80 last year. Does he hold that average considering we have got uh, news of Nick Martin moving to the halfback line? You've got Redman, you've got Ridley. um yeah, what are your thoughts? He always finds a way, doesn't he? Oh, he's pretty determined. <laughs> yeah. Um, was it? Was it? Uh, was he on the nose a little bit on whether he was going to get a contract this year? Yeah. Oh, I think so. And because like he got subbed and he had spat the dummy a little bit half I don't know if he spat the dummy. It was just taken out of context, maybe. But yeah, like, do you think? Do you think he plays? Like, do you think he's in the best twenty-two? Um. Oh, I think he's right on the, right on on the, the cusp, edge. I think yeah. he might
1: be that 20 to 25th player. Yeah, uh, he, he could swap with Nick Martin. I think that uh, Dyson Heppel's got more of an ability to be my defensively is, minded than what Nick does. My, my thing is Durzmaar Durzmaar does. just comes
0: into – that's why they've done it is because Dersmar's going to go into that wing. Sam Durham on the other wing, who I'd probably keep there. And then, yeah, maybe move Nick Martin to half-back flank and probably phase Heppel out. Yeah, so, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be confident. I think just let him go very late in drafts, I reckon, because he might be a wasted pick if he's not scoring you any points. Um, Brody Smith, um, probably has a good season left in him. There's not a lot of great users in that Crows back line. Um, yeah, he left do you reckon he's got You he can score go around the eighty mark again? Um because I think he might be one of those players that you can target if you're pushing for a flag he's been a serviceable contributor to my dynasty team for you know the last five or six years um, always goes around that 80 mark and can have some big games so yeah I think he does go at 80 it?
1: like we said there's there's not a whole lot of halfback flank options at yeah. the Crows and he's been pretty much nailing down that position for
0: the best part of a decade now so I think they'll keep going on with that the other one the last one here I've got on the list is Elliot Yo. do you think his body's going to hold up and <laughs> If it does, do you think he plays in the midfield to support those kids? Um, do I think his body will hold up?
1: No. <laughs> You'd be crazy to think that, I think you? he's already had a setback. Um, oh, I pre-season. think you're right, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but let's say that he does play 22 games. I
0: think he does go into that midfield. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's. Uh, if you, it's so, so interesting. If you've got him in your team, I reckon he's one that you keep. But if you're drafting players, maybe you don't draft him. Like draft him a bit later. I don't know. It depends on how many keepers you're playing, all that sort of stuff. But like, he's got the potential to be a hundred, like a hundred average defender. If he can do it.
1: Yeah, if, if he's in defence, yes. Yeah. But um, I think they've moved on from that potentially, and he will be that sort
0: S- of supporting senior midfielder. body
1: in the in the midfield to just protect those kids a little bit yeah. uh, and I'm not sure that's going to, Almost like the blocker. to be best for his you in
0: local footy you'd always have one one midfielder who's a big, big boy and he's a, they just block for the, for the yeah, younger kids yeah, they, and stuff like that see, let him get a run. A metre and a half know, outside yeah, the centre sort of circle might, might be one of them. <laughs> uh, stash <laughs> options we'll move on to that section now. So um, first one I've got is Josh Weddle. Now he potentially could have been a breakout candidate but I think he's a bit bit lanky bit wiry before like he needs to kind of bulk up a little bit so he can take a few more um, intercept marks and things across that half back line before he becomes a good scorer and again that back line's crowded as well so I'm not sure how many points are there to go around between him Sicily um, Impey like those kind of scorers back there what do you think?
1: Well I'm, I'm massive on I'm Josh Weddle he was someone that I um, really early on wanted to target in my keeper leagues and uh, there was something that came out couple of weeks ago they're planning on playing him on a wing oh okay yeah so they do actually want
0: to get him out of that half back because apparently Josh Ward is training with the inside midfielders so,
1: yeah, I've heard that too. I've yeah. also heard wing time. So Yeah, okay. I mean,
0: it's, it's With like Will like Day said, though, it does look it? very likely that Ward goes inside and they're probably looking for someone to replace him on the wing. So maybe Weddle. Yeah, and C- CJ was another guy that they they that wanted role.
1: up the ground too. So, yeah. But Josh Weddle, I think, showed plenty in his first year and he really gives it a good crack. And uh, he's got that body type that we'll fill out quickly as well, I reckon, Hef. And, yeah. um, so do you think
0: breakout this year or do you think stashed for another year? I think... I would lean more towards breakout. All right, you've heard it here first. Um, Josh Goda, I just like the way he goes about it. it. looks like a fantasy type. I just want to say, see what the defensive roles are looking like at North Melbourne before I make an assessment. I want to know that McKercher is going to be on that halfback flank. I want to know if they're serious about using Zach Fisher. Um, they must have you know, picked him up for a reason. So And if that happens, and then what's happening with Sheasel, obviously, is it, well, where does he play? Is it the midfield? Is it up forward? Is it down defense? I just find it a bit hard to be confident on Josh Gator at this point in time.
1: Yeah, and we're already hearing about like a Riley Hardiman is really impressing, who's a similar type player.
0: Yeah. Uh, how, how many games should go to play last season? I don't think it was a lot. Yeah, I don't know, off the top of my head, but it, it wasn't like look it up though. It feels yeah.
1: like every single off season, he just shuffles a little bit more back in that, um, in that role. So... If he can get opportunity, yes, he's played shown ten games. Ten games. He's yeah. shown an ability to score at the junior level, uh, and it, it was you know quite big numbers. But uh, it's just jostling for spots in that
0: team is going to be so difficult. Now the next one I've got as a stash option is Massimo D'Ambrosio. He's just interesting because. I know he was picked up as a like technically mature age, mid-season draftee, but he just was, wasn't was taken in the last year's draft pool. He was taken in the mid-year's draft pool. It's kind of like Jai Cully was and stuff like that. So I think he's only 20 years old. Um, I, I think it's just interesting that they've actively taken him and there was a big kerfuffle about whether he could be signed as a delisted free agent or had to be traded and all that sort of stuff. So obviously there was some strong interest from Hawthorne at the get-go. And I know from just reading his VFL reports, because I him in a keep league, he's a very good user of the footy. So I think it's just an interesting one. Again, we talk about the crowded defense of Hawthorne and I think he's going to be waiting a while before he you know breaks into that side. But I think he's one to think about for the future.
1: Yeah, I could see him playing around one, to yeah, be honest with cool. you. Yeah, it would have been easy for Hawthorne to just turn their back on him and yeah. and, and not target him as an option uh, with the Bombers making it so difficult. Uh, being a mid-season drafty, too, he does have um, a little bit of, Extra development to come as well, and yeah. some of the numbers that he was putting up so early on in his career were pretty impressive for a bloke that pretty much came out the ammo. So, yeah. um, no, I really like him. I think the yeah that fact that they've really targeted him, targeted him is a really good sign. And in that uh, Hawks team, they do like to share the ball to those good ball users. Yeah, as well. and that's the
0: thing. Like he's because he's such a good user, I feel it's like someone they want the ball in his hands. And I know Essendon didn't want to lose him, but They didn't play him last year. So he must kind of think that he's got the game to actually play it at senior level if he wants to kind of leave the club that kind of showed so much faith in him to pick him up in the first place, he must be thinking he must be around the mark as well. So that's why i have just, yeah, I'm just intrigued about him. That's all. Super fun name to say. Too. Yeah, Massimo D'Ambrosio. Um, Lockie Cowan. I've uh, just got him here as an underage gun. I'm not sure how he squeezes into that uh, Cowan back line, but the fact that they played him round one last year and gave him a decent crack at it means they must see something in him. Probably just doesn't fit given they're like a grand final contender this year and he's probably just a little bit um yeah, underdeveloped to be that point but he's one I think he's just stash for now
1: yeah stash and look honestly I, I think you could even throw him back and pick him up in another year's time
0: too I think he'll take a few yeah I don't see him playing heaps next season but I think in the future he's one to look at it's pretty similar to Jacob Bryan actually so he debuted in round 24 last year then got concussed just before quarter time I think it was (laughs) Um, they must rate him though to kind of drop him into that Collingwood side in a although it was a game that I think Collingwood threw a little bit like they were going to get top spot anyway I don't think they really cared um, what happened and they just wanted to get through unscathed unfortunately Jacob Bryan didn't get through unscathed but I guess the interesting thing I like, so Dacos, do you think he's a midfielder all year next year? Comes off yep. the halfback line. Yep. Does Chris, where does Chris play for them? Or does he continue inside or is he is he midfield full time or does he go back to defence? Yeah, that's a good question. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. And then um, uh, Howe as well is getting pretty old as well. And like he's only one injury away from giving up completely really. So there might be a spot for him in that defence um, for that kind of rebounding, half attacking halfback flanker. Kind of like the Dacos role that we uh, we saw last year. He's got that kind of same kind of flair. He could do it. Maybe not as... Well, definitely not as effectively as Nick Takos, but there might be a whole opening up for of fence. is what I'm trying to say.
1: There could be, but, um, you know, John Noble was on the outside of That's that the great other great final as well, team, actually. Oleg yeah. like Markov probably even raised eyebrows at Collingwood with uh, what he was able to do, let yeah. alone uh, competition-wide. So, um, I think... The fact that he did play in round 24 is super good sign and quite often we see that in the last round of uh of the year coaches will just give or reward the kids with one or two games at the back end of the year just to you know, just to say you've been doing well this yeah, year, mate. Yeah, keep, so, keep having a try. Yeah. A I think taste. you're right.
0: Noble's the interesting one because if there is a defensive role opening up, I think Noble will probably slot straight back into that. So, and that's he'll want fair. it too. Yeah. Oh, definitely. He'll be hungry. Um, all right, so that's all the players in uh, specifics we're going to talk about. Um, I just want to thank some gold members for signing up so early in the uh, in the preseason. I think some of these guys had signed up before the last uh, season, well, just as the season uh, finished last year. So thank you to Josh Hart, Rob Hall, Russell Beasley, Harley Philp, Michael Boland, Joshua Hutchinson, uh Dylan Brooks, Dave Simpson, Nick Westerman, and Alina Herman. Just consistent names that I think I read out on the first episode every year, because they're always the first to sign up. So thank you to those gold members for signing up and supporting the podcast. Uh if you do want to support the podcast, uh there'll be a link in the description. Sign up, become a member. Essentially, I can't run this podcast without membership support. So thank you to those people who do so. And if you like listening each week and you want this podcast to keep going into the future, please consider signing up as a member. All right, let's get into some listener questions before we wrap up the show. First one comes from the Warner Brothers, uh, Louis. Uh, he wants to know, how do we read the Gold Coast Suns? Is Dimmer, uh, the game plan, a myth or is someone set to take a high-scoring Jaden Short role? And if so, who?
1: Well,
0: I think it's the question on everybody's
1: lips, what game plan the Suns are going to play. And um, because of that, I think we'll know pretty
0: early on yeah. in the preseason. And- Not often a coach... Like an experienced coach, a successful coach comes in and plays something completely different to what they used to do. Yeah, look at Ross Lyon. He's yeah. pretty much gone back to the same game plan he's always done. And to be honest, I don't love that. Like Ross Lyon's probably a bit different because he never achieved the ultimate success. But I always find that the the gun coach has already been to the top of the mountain three times in Dimmer Harder things. Does he have that fire to get that back there again or is he just accepting the huge pay packet and yeah. No, I think it can be a bit of both. Because they don't get there very often, that's the thing.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely overrated. Yeah. Uh, um, this you know champion coach comes over to a club to to breathe new life into them. In fact, I yeah. think the trend is sort of the opposite, like, where it's these new coaches that are coming in and and uh, giving everybody a different perspective
0: that that seems to be working. Lately. When we um, when we finally sat Ken Hinkley and you and I have a huge party, I don't want us to be chasing a. A experienced coach like you know they were talking about trying to get Dimmer back last year I, I just want someone who's got the fire in the belly to like a Kingsley or something like that Yeah, um, yep. McRae has that fire in the belly to reach the top of the mountain and not one that's already been there three times and doesn't really matter if they get there or not but let's get back to the question who's the guy who plays the Jaden short role if it exists I'm saying Will Power
1: yeah Will Power has been the popular one um Suns, they're a really young side. Let's assume that they're going to be learning this new game style under Dimmer. Wouldn't surprise me to see Brandon Ellis um, take the reins a little bit early on to direct the traffic back there. uh, Because I'm expecting them to be a little bit disorganised, certainly across the first 10 weeks of the season as they try to work out this uh, new game system. And I think Brandon Ellis, being mature, age, well, he'd be probably knocking on the door of 30 now, but played in three premierships for the Tigers, and or well, might have been two. And, yeah, I like it. Yeah, and uh, he understands, yeah, the, he understands, he the he understands that role exactly. So he could be
0: one that uh, might be a little, another bargain for you and your back, keepers. Back from the dead, Brandon Ellis. I'd like to see it. Um, Jinby wants to know, uh, based on the second half of last year, could Mitch Hinge be a top 10 defender? Because um, based on the second half of last year, he was apparently. Um, any reason this won't continue? Continue. there's no reason not to he's, dan Curtin's the only reason i can think of
1: he's highly rated mitch hinge he was yeah. highly rated at the lions before he came across too and yeah a uh, bit of a slow start through injuries but i think he's shown quite a bit at stages
0: he's put up a few tons over his career as well and the only thing i can think of is if crows become a more effective um clearance side so looking at the end of last season they moved very much back to like a very senior midfield it was the three main guys in there were Laird, Dawson and Crouch playing in there so if they get the ball moving forward a bit more quickly and if they can actually improve and the ball spends less time in the defense that's the only thing I can see but if you look at like if you look at the Crows in the like their key areas like Tex Walker was like such a pivotal player for them last year and he's so close to being done you know what i mean so if he doesn't go at the same kind of level of performance and you know and looking at their like key defenders as well they don't really have a lot of you know quality back there either so and one injury yeah exactly shuffles into that role too yeah so i don't know there's a few there's a few factors i think it should continue for the short term um and if you think the crows can improve if, I feel like if the Crows do improve, then Hinge might go backwards, is what I'm trying to say. I but think, yeah, he's kind of that 70 to 75 guy yeah. that can pop for a month. Yeah. I think you're just thinking right. Or it just takes one injury or someone to come out and he will play a more fantasy-friendly role. But, yeah, we'll have to wait and see with that one. Um, Russ 2468 wants to know, will Carl Amon continue in the Hawks' defence in 2024, thus obtain DPP and continue in the same vein as he's scoring in the back end of 2023? Were you on top of that? Were you following him for the last six weeks? Yeah. Scoring was huge. Yeah. So, and- Word from, this only comes from Hawthorne supporters, but I think they're the type that actually go and watch them train and that sort of stuff. And apparently, he's earmarked for a very similar role. So, that's another one for the Hawthorne defence side. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's Carl Aymond. Kind of I can't believe we didn't pick that, bring that up earlier in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, well, he, he's one that um, I've spoken to someone there as well.
1: Yeah. And apparently, it is real. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, a lot can change, obviously, in a pre-season, but at this stage, I've been told the exact same. I've got no reason to doubt them. Um yeah, I'm pretty keen on it. Really keen on it. Carl Amon, I think he's someone that'll be really sneaky this year. The yeah. the switched on coaches if you can get a nice trade for him, uh would
0: it'll be it'll be paying dividends. Oh, I think it's your well, he's down on on his um 2022 average of last year because I think it was about 100 around that mark, gone down to about an 85 average I think it was and he probably will pop back up to that mid-90s if he plays this role because he looked very suited to it. The,
1: the only flag maybe with that Will Day uh, foot injury is Ward goes a bit more inside and yeah. and maybe Carl Amon is on that vacant mm, wing again. I like but Yeah, you're but right. I, I tend to think that um, Carl Amon's going to be better used off of half-back driving that attacking football because yeah, I think so he's a
0: massive metres gained player. Yeah, and he's, he's they, a- they just can't keep playing through James Sicily. And they miss so much of what Carl Amon's useful for on the wing because they seem to be skipped a bit. The ball seems to move over the heads too quickly and things like that. Um, Beaver wants to know where do you see John Noble fitting into the pies this year and like he be dropped for the grand final or a sign of things to come? I reckon, no, I think he's like, there's so many aging, like like I said, Howe and Crisp are getting pretty old in that defence. Um, it it'll take an injury or something like that, but I think he'll, it won't take much for him to get back in, I don't think. It was more structural things over him being a bad player. Yeah, I uh, think. Fully agree. Yeah, yeah. So, I think he plays a lot more next season anyway. It's just when it comes to crunch time in fantasy, they might just do a few things. Um, sorry, a, a crunch time in finals. They just might make a few tweaks structurally. But I think for the majority of the season, they play a guy like him. Um, McLeod wants to know, what do you think Florence upside can be? I honestly think with Florent, if he was going to do something, he would have seen it by now. I agree. Yeah. I, I, I think he could be in and out of the side, in fact. Yeah. Like these, I don't know. Blakey serves such a useful role in that half back line, um, just given he's got that little bit of height, but he's got that dash as well. They really rate Jay Lloyd. I don't see him going anywhere. So, yeah. And then you've got Braden Campbell as well. He could potentially go back there. There's just so many players in that back line that, yeah. I hate Olive Florence. Yeah, he's the, so often uh, down
1: as well. If if he kicked three hundred mil longer in that round three game, yeah, versus we, Sydney, we would have had the end of Ken we, would have that, we would have
0: that new fresh coach. <laughs> oh, well. um, Evil Gumby wants to know does Jordan Ridley jump back to the top scorers with McKay and amakai uh, Mackay and Zach Reed in. So I'm <sighs> Nick gonna Nick Martin's. Exactly, a star that's in the that, fact. And Mackay just replaces um Zirk Thatcher. As well, so like they go back one, and he just comes straight in and read. If they play, I think they play McKay obviously, um, but yeah. So the thing with Jordan Ridley, he can defend. That's the issue. Um, someone like Mason Redmond and someone like Nick Martin now apparently they're kind of better attackers. And I think R- as well, Redmond's been the one that's really cut his lunch. Yeah, hundred percent. So I think. Much of the same, but that's, what's that? That's still an eighty average, isn't it? Yeah,
1: and I that's what that. he's been going at eighty for what four seasons yeah. now. And previous to that was
0: when he was sort of popping and people were a bit more keen. I think of- there was a, a season just before the year before last where he was playing like almost like a key defensive role, but that's only because they had so many injuries and stuff like that, or just a lockdown role, uh, which was a bit gross, but. Yeah, I don't think I don't think he's gonna be bad. He's just not gonna be amazing. Is, is Reed expected to play? Apparently so. I, I that's the first I've heard of him though, to be honest. So um he was injured all last year, um and but he is like a twenty two year old. Think. Yeah, he was same draft midfielder. as um, Nick Cox, I reckon. Yeah, so um, could be one to break out this year and come into the side. they got Laverty back there, though, as well. That's another key defensive role. So what do they do with him? He seems pretty settled back there as well. So um, I don't know if those two mentioned are going to make much of a difference. It's more what happens with Nick Martin and that, I guess. Um, which defenders do you see playing mainly midfield and losing defender status? I've made a little bit of a list here for us. I've got Hayden Young, Nick Dacos, Harry Sheasel potentially. Let's um, talk of him. And maybe Gus Brayshaw with Oliver out. What do you think?
1: I, I certainly think the first two, Hayden Young, Nick Dacos. Yeah. Uh, Harry Sheasel, I can see a world where he does. Uh, I tend to think he'll play just enough defence uh, to, to maintain the status. And Gus Brayshaw's is really up in the air. Uh, given Clayton Oliver, I think it makes sense to think that he would go into that midfield and fill the hole. But I can't get out of the back of my head the fact that... Um, you know, he was knocked out at the yeah, end of last year. he's okay. Year. But yeah, but yeah. you know, how many times? Can you get knocked yeah. out before that's it So yeah, true. I tend to think that, that maybe yeah. he might be more of an outside player, and he could be that uh, that nice little defender that that pops early on, and we all sort of overlook because of that. But yeah. I don't know. I think the midfield minutes are done just because he's
0: just because of his fragile yeah. head. I like we. I, I like wouldn't be him for that about, thought yeah. process either. Um, what do you see Dan Curtin? This is from Pack and Send, What do you see Dan Curtin's role and output initially, and then long term? Is he a uh, reach or can he he wait. All right, so this is my take on Dan Curtin. I'm having, having, a, I got roasted on TikTok. I think for not having him in my top five future keepers out of the, um, out of the this year's draft days, and this was my reasoning. So everyone goes on about his under 18 championships scoring, and he played as a midfielder basically the whole under 18 championships. But it was probably the weakest Western Australia side we've seen in a very long time. So. And we've always got these kind of key defenders that have the ability to go on the midfield. Look at Jack Lacocious, for example. um, Or like, you know, you can play off a halfback flank and play a more attacking role. But I think if you have the traits to be a good key defender a club is going to use you as a good key defender. So when you look at him as um, uh, in the waffle, I think it was Claremont he played for, both seniors and juniors, average of like 55 and 40 because he was just a key defender back there. Everyone's talking about him because he's got this massive um, under 18 championship uh, score playing as a midfielder. But like I said, he's best suited. If he's at his club, his best position is as a key defender. And sometimes he does go forward as well. He does play as a taller forward as well. But, Yeah, I think as a junior, they throw these kids around so much because they're just so much better than the kids they're playing against that they can dominate. I think at AFL level, it's a bit story, and I think a different story, and I think they'll develop him into a key defender. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, certainly this season and maybe the, the next season as well, they've got an ability to sort of hide him as that third defender, which is really uh, really good for development, I think. It yeah. teaches you, it teaches play, you all those that sort of stuff. defensive yeah. instincts. It tells you where to run. And yeah. and then from there, you can sort of start working on the things that are going to translate into fantasy yeah. points. But yeah, it's a really good point that you make. The, the midfield minutes are definitely skewing his average uh, yeah. up, and that's not going to be the role he plays. Yeah, like... I might go through there very briefly, yeah. but that'll just be experiment type stuff. And I tend to think the crows are- uh, sort of in it to win it, yeah. so to speak, Next uh, this season, especially with Matthew Nix going into his final uh, contract year. Yeah. Uh, you know what it's like at Adelaide. They sort of eat their own in terms of their coaches.
0: So. Yeah. And I think a few of the other factors, like their key defensive stocks are really weak. And he was, if you if you go by his state league stuff, he was the best probably key defender in the draft as well. It's just that he has the – he's just like one of those freaks that can play anywhere. But like I'll go back to the Jack Lacocious thing, like – Gold Coast put him on a halfback flank to kind of learn the game and read and all that sort of stuff. But if he's got the traits to play a key defensive or a key position role, they generally end up back there because it's such a waste of um, the position because they're so hard to come by usually Exactly that they put him there. So, yeah, I don't know. That's just how I feel about Dan Curtin. Saying that now might be completely wrong. Can't play a halfback flank, the cushiest role ever. Um but, yeah, players of his type and his skill set generally just don't tend to end up in those roles, that's all. Um, he, he could be a Ridley-type guy that yeah. does go at that 80 yeah. sort of average. Yeah. Um, at Woody j 64 um, any chance Isaac Cumming bounces back or is he doomed now? Um, Harry Himmelberg is down back. I think he just doesn't suit their style of play. Like yeah. He's a bit slow. Just dropped like, it. It like yeah. this, I couldn't really pinpoint why. Yeah, like he's a bit slow, not super skillful. Um, just probably suited to defending a bit more than attacking as mm-hmm. well. I think that's probably um, with these kind of skill set as well. So I think that's probably why, in my opinion. So yeah, I don't, I don't have any faith in him. He did look good, but I think someone like Lockie Ash and then Whitfield returning to the halfback line after coming from the wing, like it just kind of stifles him. A little bit. And then, yeah, Himmelberg going back there as well. And and the fact that it was
1: Kingsley's first year as well, yeah. it's, it sort of reads as a sign of things to come rather than
0: you know just a down year out of the blue. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, at Evan505, thoughts on Lockie Ash, um, both short and long term. Could he end up averaging 95 consistently? I hope so. I think he can. <laughs> yeah, I rate him. I, I think he can as well. I uh, think now he's settled on that halfback flank as well. Um, they'll use him there, especially as like, how old's Whitfield now? He'd be off 2012 draft, so yeah,
1: 29, 30 years old now.
0: I think they'll start to use Ash kind of in a similar way that they used uh, Whitfield, and I think he can be a pretty good scorer.
1: I think that's why we've had to wait a little bit longer than what we might have liked, even though he has been putting up sort of nice-ish scores anyway. Yeah, Uh, But there's been so many mouths, and I think now, yeah, they're finally identifying him as that young next guy to sort of drive the Giants onto... Wherever they uh, may be headed. So, yeah, Lockie Ash, he'll be a big part of that. And yeah. we always love a high ceiling. We've seen that over a number of years and uh, through time. So, yeah, yep. Lockie Ash is a very good player
0: and a good keeper option. No, I agree. Um, Tom Otis wants to know thoughts on Ratkins and Darcy McPherson? Oh. <laughs> Hardwick. That's my thoughts. Yeah. Well, yeah I don't know. Th- like, th-
1: those two are impossible. They feel like they were. Um,
0: I thought Ratkins was going to get dropped about seven times last year.
1: Exactly. Like They're 18 or sort of 24-type players, yeah, uh, and with a new coach coming in, look, that could land anywhere.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have any thoughts. My only thoughts is what is Hardwick going to do with them all? Um, Joe Downey wants to know, does Aliyah go back to being the intercept defender that made him a great footy player, which could mean an uptick in points, or is it one? Of, is he one of the two recruits of Sava or Brandon Zuck-Thatcher? Port defenders don't go near him. That's the answer there. Um, even if he does become that intercept, it's still like he's still not enough of a possession getter. No, nah, he's
1: not. Yeah, oh, yeah. I think he will
0: take yeah, that same. role though, just yeah. because there's so many uh, tools there at Port that yeah. they may as well use him offensively. But um, Fantasy-wise, it's just not even worth considering, I don't think. Nah. Yeah. And the last question from Michael Bilardi, will Miles Bergman or Kane Farrell take the next step this year? I think Bergman can. Yeah. I think uh, Bergman's shown a bit.
1: Kane Farrell, uh, he's tricky to pinpoint. I'm, I'm not sure... He brings a whole heap of the heap to the team unless everything is sort of going his
0: way. I think you made the good point at the live show last year um, when we were talking about Port Adelaide defenders and who under Ken Hinckley have been reliable defenders in fantasy under Ken Hinckley's game plan, and it's Houston and no one else. Yeah, you know what I mean. You, you're seriously going back to like Broadbent. Yeah, yeah, and like, <laughs> even then, like he he was like a one off eighty. Season yeah, type yeah, thing. yeah. Like there's just and Hartlett maybe like. There's not Ooh. a lot. Yeah, there's not a lot there. So, like, I just steer clear of these type of players. Like, I was all in on Kane Farrell last year. I agreed. But then when you mentioned that, I was like, yeah, it just the game plan is just not suited
1: uh, Yeah, it. well, look at their midfield. They don't need to yeah. be that rebounding-off-half-back type team. Just, they're very and, much going to be
0: stoppage-based because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's where not, their cattle is. They're not the type that chip around – that much they're very contested let's get the ball moving forward get it out of here as quickly as possible we don't want because they're pretty shaky in defence port as well they seem to bleed pretty quickly too they don't want it in there very long they want it out of there which doesn't lead to them chipping around and no, sending and stuff like that it's a, a hat kick yeah, out of the out 50 of there, get yeah. it to a
1: stoppage and yeah. then let's let's. so unless you out.
0: think you know one of these guys can get 30 of those in a game um, it's probably just not going to lead to anything decent anyway that is a wrap Louis first main pot of the year I'd say we did one last week on yeah, how to start a keeper league and that sort of stuff but that we said that was our round zero version of a podcast it wasn't <laughs> opening a, round. it wasn't a real it wasn't a real round <laughs> you know <laughs> I have to wait till this week to get the real one so that's it uh, thank you very much for coming on the, the show this week um, oh, thank you mate where can our listeners find you. Uh, you follow me at Louis AF you change your Twitter handle yeah you're
1: bloody confused I reckon you're AF Louis now aren't you Oh, I might be AF Louie. Yeah, put, I was, trying, I was yeah. trying to change it and it thought it well, would, I was Lou a robot. But um, yeah. yeah, if you just search AF Louie, something will come yeah, up. Yeah, Louie, so. <laughs> Fantasy.
0: Listen to him on the pod pod as well. Yeah, Louis. Point of Difference podcast. The only guy on there making sensible takes, is that right? Uh-huh.
1: Oh, oh, yeah. I can't I can't it, it, Holmesy goes all State, right. <laughs> Stato, we're going to make Stato great again this God. year too. we so. <laughs> weren't
0: doing that last year?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a two-year process. Yeah, that's it, mate. That's it, 24 months.
0: All right. Thank you for listening this week. If you want to support the show, please buy a membership and uh, yeah help us grow and uh, get bigger and got a lot of things planned for this year that are going to be um, yeah interesting and hopefully it's a bit of a bit of an interesting time for the listeners as well to see what we've got to do anyway get around us on our socials: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram YouTube, TikTok uh, at Keeper League Pod hope I got them all there probably threads as well Don't, haven't posted a thread in my life but um, I, yeah, think I, got, off quick. I think we've got an account there <laughs> give us a follow on threads but anyway uh, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week week.